Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. Today we have a handy one for either yourself, a friend, a spouse, or anyone else you may know that is after run your fingers through it hair. Dr. Angela Phipps, a board certified medical and surgical hair restoration surgeon, is with us today to inform us on the options. And as the song goes, give me a head with hair. Long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxen, waxen. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I'll spare you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But Angela works for the Medical and Surgical Hair Restoration Company, Bosley Medical and Raleigh, North Carolina. She is also the medical advisor for the non-surgical hair replacement company, Hair Club. The doctor has been featured in TLC's medical show, Pad Hair Day, helping men and women find their best possible hair loss solutions. Welcome, Angela. Hi. I'm glad to be here. I hope I can give someone some information today that might help them. I'm sure you will be able to, and I'm going to jump right into, you know, medical surgical hair restoration seems to be a very specialized area of medicine that many people may not even know exists. So tell me how you got involved in this field. It is a peculiar little niche of medicine, and so I got introduced to it because my own father suffered from hair loss, and he wore a hair system for over 30 years. And he said, I know I'm wearing a hair system, and other people probably know I'm wearing a hair system, but I like my reflection in the mirror, in the mirror with some hair better than I like it with no hair. And so finally, when I got through with my surgical training, my daddy looked at me and said, Angela Lynn. And so I knew he meant business because he called me by my first and my middle name. Oh, That's yeah. what parents do when they mean business. Oh, for sure. I said, I said what, Daddy? Because I'm Daddy's little girl. And he said, I put you through medical school. You better figure out a way to put hair on my head. <laughs> and I said, okay, Daddy, let me do my best. And there was a physician down in um, the Clearwater, Florida area where I was who did hair transplants. And I said, you need to teach me to do this because my daddy wants hair. <laughs> and so um, he helped me do my first transplant on my own father. He was my very first wow. patient. And after two surgeries, my dad took his hair system off and looks in the mirror and says, I like my reflection in the mirror for the first time in 30 years. Wow. And that just melted, you know, mm -hmm. daddy's little girl's heart. Mm -hmm. And so I told my husband, I said, pack your bags. He said, where are we going? I said, we're not going anywhere. We're moving. And he said, well, where are we moving? I said, we're moving to Beverly Hills. <laughs> and so um, I said, I need to go specialize in hair transplant surgeries. I said, because if I can change one other person's life, or the way they feel about themselves with this procedure, the way I did my own dad, this is all I'm dedicating the rest of my medical and surgical career to. Wow. wow. So that is a we fantastic. We went to Beverly Hills and been doing it ever since. 
That's a fantastic story. My goodness. Um, I I tell all my patients who come through that get a hair transplant and they thank me. I said, nope, don't thank me. Thank my daddy. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. That's right. Well, he sure got his uh, college money investment back with with you. He did, exactly. Yeah. And that's just great. And, you know, this is, you know, this is a big thing because how we look can really give us confidence or lack thereof. So it is more than, we're not just talking hair on the top of the head. We're talking a lot of psychological benefits here to feeling confident, feeling good about yourself. And like he said, I never liked my, what I saw in the mirror until now. So this is fantastic. So, so let's talk and, and we're going to have to use some very simple terms so people can, well, so I can understand what causes hair loss. So there are different things that can cause hair loss, but the majority of general, when we talk about hair loss, comes from what the medical term is called androgenetic alopecia. Let's break that down. Andro means androgen, which means hormone. Genetic means it's genetic. You inherit this condition. And alopecia is just a bucket medical term that we use for hair loss. So by and far, the most common cause of hair loss in both men and women is just you are being born with your hair follicles having a sensitivity to hormones that your body produces. It doesn't mean that your hormone levels are high or low or out of whack or anything like that. It just means that your hair follicles have a sensitivity to those circulating hormones. And over time, those hormones have a negative effect on the hair follicles, causing them to deteriorate over time and shedding out the hair shaft and then not being strong enough to produce another hair again. So is there, you know, is there any commonality here as far as, uh, you know, age, gender, anything like that with what that you see in your patients? Hair loss is the most non-discriminatory medical condition you Mm. could have. It does. It affects both men. It affects women. It can affect children, even in conditions that have might be an autoimmune cause for hair loss, Mm. like a condition called alopecia areata. It affects all ethnicities. So it is not um, discriminatory. It can affect anyone. That's interesting. And, and I, and I want to point that out too, as far as, cause a lot of times when you think of these procedures for hair replacement options, it, men come to mind. You see that usually in the commercial. So I'm glad you mentioned it's female, it's children. It's, you know, it's not just for men anymore when it's first started out. Absolutely. And so I try to do and encourage our marketing departments and that sort of thing to make sure we're all inclusive so that people who do see our advertising just don't see a middle-aged man with thinning hair and Mm -hmm. think that this is the only solution for them. Mm -hmm. It it covers the the gamut of age, gender, and nationality, and I want to be able to help as many people as possible. That's that's good because that's that is usually what's out there. The like you say, the middle aged uh, man. So now, is there a cure for hair loss? There is no cure for androgenetic hair loss, meaning we can't cure it. But what we can do is we can temper it, meaning we can try and um, block some of the hormones that might be causing the negative effects on the hair follicle cells. And there are therapies that we can do to try and strengthen the hair follicles that the hormones are having a negative effect on so that we can um, stabilize the current pattern of hair loss or severity of hair loss that you might have and prevent it from becoming worse. 
Now, some of the treatments might be able to re-stimulate some hair growth, but in general, I tell my patients, when you come to see me and we're looking for therapies and not really surgery, these therapies should be looked at from a preventative standpoint of losing more hair, not necessarily to grow all your hair back. Mm. And then if you're wanting a physical or aesthetic improvement in the areas where you've already lost your hair, that's when we need to to dive into more of the surgical solutions to improve those areas. Okay. So who is a candidate for medical treatment options and who is a candidate for surgical treatment options? So anybody can be a treatment for medical options, meaning that they want to stabilize or prevent further hair loss. Um, as long as the condition is the androgenetic alopecia. Now there are other types of hair loss out there that may not be amendable or treatable by those um, androgenetic medications that you might need to see a dermatologist for other forms of treatment. Um, but pretty much anybody can come in and see what their uh, options are for medical treatment, being either some oral medications or some topical medications or even having some things injected into the scalp to help stimulate. Now, when we talk about the realm of surgical treatments, not everybody is a candidate for surgical hair replacement. You have to have enough donor hair to be able to move into the area where you've lost your hair to have enough aesthetic improvement without depleting the donor area in the back of the head, as well as you have to have enough scalp elasticity to be able to remove tissue and put it back together to be able to move forward. So, it's really important if you're thinking about surgical options as being something you're interested in that you see a very specific hair loss specialist to determine whether or not you have the candidacy to be a successful procedure. Now, I should say anybody could potentially have a procedure, but whether it would be successful in terms of being able to achieve what the patient is wanting to achieve is the big question. I understand some of these procedures may, you might not come out with a full head of hair, but you may be able to qualify for at least some improvement, correct? Exactly. That's what I tell patients is, is you should not expect to come in and have one hair restoration procedure and think you're going to look like you did when you were graduated middle school. Now, you know, these procedures can be a little pricey. And so I tell patients, well, you know, when you spend a significant amount of money on something, you have an expectation of what you think that should make you look like. And my job as the physician is to bring your expectations into the realms of what is medically and surgically a realistic expectation to have because there are limits. And so it's very important to know we can definitely, if you're a candidate, make a significant improvement as long as that improvement in your mind doesn't mean I'm not going to see my scalp and I'm going to look like I did at a particular age when there was no visibility of the scalp. That's always good to point out the reality um, involved in these kinds of things. So I just want to go back a little bit. So unless you're doing the surgical hair restoration, and we're going to talk more about how long that takes and what it costs and so forth, the medical treatment, I just want to fact check, you're saying that is mostly just for maintaining as opposed to growing hair. Correct. Because, and it, well, usually when I see patients in my office, they have gotten to the severity of the point that I'm usually always their last resort. Mm. They've tried every over the counter 
every herbal, every recommended TikTok lotion, potion, <laughs> YouTube, you know, yeah. uh, anything out there before they come to me. So sometimes when they get to me, the severity of loss is, is quite high. And so at that point, sometimes you get to the point of no return where the medical treatments will not bring back any of the damaged hair follicles. And that surgery is the only option for replacing the hairs that you've already lost. But we do recommend the medical therapies to prevent from losing what, you've, what you haven't lost yet. Um, However, if you get to me before the severity is, too, you're, you know, you're not at the point of no return, sometimes the hair follicle cells underneath the surface of the skin are affected, but they're not dead. So if we implement these medical modalities, they can sometimes re-stimulate those cells to be strong enough to maybe produce a hair shaft again that they weren't prior producing because the cells were too weak. So it really depends on the severity of loss or where you are in your stage of thinning as to whether or not you might be able to get some improvement with the medical therapy, because you definitely could. I have had patients who come in in their early stages of hair loss where I wasn't excited about moving forward with surgery with them, and neither were they, and we put them on the medical therapies, and within a year, they definitely had a visible improvement. But as a rule of thumb, I generally tell people surgery is the treatment for making it better, and medicine is the treatment for preventing it from getting worse. But again, that's another reason to see a hair loss specialist as early as possible so that we can maybe get positive improvements and restoration with the medical therapy. Okay. So let's talk a little bit from the vein of, okay, I've decided to do this. Let's get the nitty gritty. So let's start with how long does it take to do a surgical hair restoration procedure? So the time to perform that procedure will vary from patient to patient because it depends upon the severity of loss. If someone's really just kind of receding in their frontal hairline in those little corner areas, that will require a, a smaller number of grafts necessary for the procedure than somebody who comes in who has loss in the front top and the crown or back area of the head. So it really varies from patient to patient, but in general, I'll tell patients it can range anywhere from you know, five hours to 10 hours. And again, that just depends upon how many grafts we're doing in a single session. Mm -hmm. But I tell patients during the consultation, the day you're going to have your procedure, you need to dedicate that entire day to me. Meaning I don't want you to have to go pick your kids up out of carpool line. I don't Mm -hmm. want you to have to be at the vet at three o'clock to get, you know, uh, your, your beagle. And I don't want you to have to be at the airport at 630 to pick up your mother-in-law. So Mm -hmm. the day is dedicated to me because I'm a perfectionist and it takes as long as it takes. Mm -hmm. And you won't walk out of that door till I say it's perfect. And if that means it's three o'clock, it's three o'clock. If it means it's 630 PM, it's 630 PM. We'll feed you lunch and dinner if we have to. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, A little extra for your money there. And speaking about money, and again, this is gonna is gonna vary from one end to the other, depending what you need done. But what can people kind of ballpark a cost, or is there any way you can kind of zone in on that question for our listeners? Yeah, a little bit. And there's two main um, techniques in doing a hair restoration procedure. There's one called the FUT, and that's the traditional procedure where we remove a strip of skin out of the back of the donor area and do the procedure that way. The other procedure is called the FUE, and that's the follicular unit excision technique, where we actually remove the individual hair follicles one by one out of the donor area in the back. And because that technique is a little more labor intensive on the physician, that procedure can tend to be a little bit more expensive because it costs more per graft. So the procedure is based 
per graft. So if you need 800 grafts, a procedure would cost X. If you need 3,000 grafts, a procedure would cost X. So you can kind of look at the minimum amount of procedure, you know, someone might look to spend would be um, around $4,000, and that's at the very minimum, up to potentially in the teens of thousands of dollars, depending upon technique used for extraction and the number of grafts necessary to address the area of loss that we want to address. So could you give us now, a... Sometimes, sometimes, though, patients, they'll have a certain budget, mm-hmm. and that budget may not be able to be something that we would be able to address the entire area of loss all at one time, and that's okay, too. So I'll have patients come in and do a 1,000 grafts in one session, and then a year later they'll come back and do another 1,000, and then they'll come back and, you know, as their budget allows and as their donor allows, mm-hmm. we'll do it in a stepwise approach versus doing it all as a, you know, one-time approach. Mm-hmm. So would it make sense to give us a per graph cost? Yes. And so um, the price per graft is typically in my office. It's like $5.50 per graft for the FUT technique, the traditional strip technique, and it's $7 a graft for the FUE or the individual unit extraction. Okay. And so, again, it just depends how many grafts you're getting and then certain other issues with the procedure itself. So, um, okay. Uh, all right. And then let's see, what else did I want to ask? I, I want, are, are these results permanent? The results are permanent. Yes. In one way and no, in another way. So let me explain. So these results are permanent in the, in the realm of androgenetic alopecia, meaning that the reason that you're losing the hair on the top of your head is because of the effects of the hormones in your body. Now, the hair in the donor area, which is the back of the head, those, if you see a totally bald man, he's still got hair in the back of his head, right? Mm -hmm. So none of the hairs in the back of a man's head have the genetic sensitivity to the hormones that made the hair in the top of the head fall out. So when I surgically remove those hairs in the back and I move them to the front or top, the hormone that made the first hair fall out will not be able to attack the transplanted hair and make that hair fall out. So from that standpoint, those transplanted hairs are permanent. Where they're not permanent is they are not subjected to resisting the aging process, meaning that the hair in the back of our head when we're 75 is not as thick as what it is when we're 15. So those hairs do thin and age just like every other cell on the rest of our body. And so when I take those hairs out of the back of the head and I move them someplace else, they will still undergo the aging process and may be thin over a 40-year period, but you won't lose them at the same fast rate that you were losing them because of the hormonal hair loss reason. Just natural aging process. Just the natural aging process, correct. Because if I could find an answer to that process, I would mm -hmm. be retired and living in Fiji. (laughs) 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 I can stop that aging process. Yeah, that would be a whole new podcast we would have to do for sure. So do you see results immediately then, or what's the deal with that? No, you do not see results immediately. Well, you know, the hairs are cut really, really short, if not shaved. So when we put them in uh, into the area of of, of thinness or balding, you can, right when you leave, see little stubbles of hair that are there. But what happens is, which is important for patients to understand, is that little hair follicle gets scared when we move it from the back of the head to someplace else. And that hair follicle is so, so smart, and it knows we moved it. And when it detects that change in physical environment from being in one part of the scalp and now it's in another, it's going to get scared. And when it gets scared, those little cells in that root are going to shut down 
and then the hair shaft that was attached to it that you see on the day of surgery in about two weeks to a month all those little hairs are going to start to fall out and I tell my patients don't freak out it's not your graft or hair follicle transplanted follicle falling out of your head it's just all those little transplanted roots underneath the surface of the skin realizing we moved it they're getting scared and they go dormant and the hairs fall out but those roots that make that permanent transplanted hair shaft they're there but they they're asleep and the dormant phase of a hair follicle life cycle in a man and a woman lasts anywhere from like three to six months. So for three to six months after the surgery, you're going to look just like you did when you walked into the, my door the morning of the procedure. And it's important to remember that. This is a delayed gratification cosmetic procedure. But in about three to four months, those little roots that we move, they're going to wake up from their dormant phase and they're going to start to make those new hair shafts. But what they don't do is they don't all wake up on the same day and push hair through the surface of the skin all at one time like a chia pet. Some will come in in three months and some will come in in four months and some hair will push through in five months. And so I tell my patients, don't look in the mirror and expect to see any real substantial new hair growth that's going to be changing your appearance for at least six to eight months. Six to eight months. Okay. And I tell patients, I don't even let you come back and see me in my office for a minimum of eight months. Because, unless there's an issue or questions or concerns or anything, because it takes that length of time to get enough of a result for us to compare your before and after pictures and see what, you know, what great thing we've accomplished. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if you come sense. in at four months, you're going to be very disappointed in your results because you might not have any results at four months because those little roots are still asleep. So how do people deal with that as far as like, I'm going into work, I'm going, you know, to family functions, they just got to, you know, wear a hat. <laughs> Exactly. You can wear a hat the day of the procedure when you leave my office, but I do tell patients, you know, it's going to be noticeable that you had something done, so you need to arrange it in your calendar that you're going to be able to take some time off work. Um, you know, typically I like patients to take three days off of work from a physical standpoint. Now, if you can wear a hat to work, you can go back to work the next day. But if you're, you know, in the, in the public eye or something, you're going to need at least um, 10 to 14 days before you're starting to recover from a um, an irritated look or that sort of thing before you'll want to, you know, be back in the public eye. So I tell my, you know, patients who might be judges or lawyers or ministers mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, this is it's going to be noticeable that you had something done. So we want to, you know, you will need to take some time off unless you can cover it up with a hat. So what's the procedures out there nowadays? I don't know if they still have, they used to have procedure to do this, but you could kind of see the plugs that used to call them. Oh, he got plugs. Right. And so the plug procedure was very noticeable because what they did years ago is they didn't remove the individual hair follicle. They grouped like three, four, five hair follicles all together and removed them in one piece of tissue. And then they took that piece of tissue and put it into the thinning area. And it worked very well for somebody who, did, who wasn't bald. They were just thin because you put those bigger clumps of hair in between the thinning and it gave an immediate thick look. What they didn't take into account, though, is what is this going to look like if they lose that existing hair that they have? And if you weren't on any medical therapy, therapy to prevent that, you did lose it, and it looked very unnatural. It looked like that doll's hair appearance because mm. it was unnatural. You had four or five follicles coming out of one opening in the skin, and that's not what happens in nature. So the way we've perfected that today is now we only take out the individual hair follicle one by one, um, either by removing it one by one with a little machine with that FUE technique or in the 
piece of tissue that I removed, we put that under a microscope and then we dissect each hair follicle out of that piece of tissue one by one. So we're just putting in individual follicles into the area of thinning so that it looks completely natural in someone who has no existing hair. Or if you have existing hair and we put it there and for some reason you go on to lose that existing hair, it'll still look completely natural. One last question here. Can someone donate their hair to someone else for surgical hair restoration? That is a fantastic question. And unfortunately, the answer to that is no. Our hair follicles are little mini organs, just like our heart, lung, liver, kidney. Mm. So your body would reject somebody else's hair follicle, just like they would reject somebody else's liver or you know heart. Um, and so now with the major organs, you can take anti-rejection medicine so that you don't reject your major organs, but you need your major organs. Hair isn't a something that you naturally, you know, that you actually need. And so it's not um, feasible in the medical community to put somebody on anti-rejection medications to do a hair transplant for an aesthetic reason because those medicines have, you know, problems in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's very common for me to have a man come in with his son who that genetics skipped him but hit his son Mm -hmm. and say, I would donate every hair on my head to my son if I could. Can I please do that? But unfortunately, the answer to that is no. no. Okay. Well, you gave us a lot of good answers and a lot of information. Should any of our listeners be interested in learning more, how would they be able to contact you? My direct number here in the Bosley Raleigh office is 919-954- 7311, or you can go to our website at bosley.com backslash Raleigh for our specific Raleigh location. And if the um, listeners in our area have family members that live in other areas, there are multiple um, Bosley offices throughout the United States that someone could go and visit for a consultation just like they would get in my office. And that would just be bosley.com then? Bosley.com, correct. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being here and enlightening us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to reach some listeners and provide some information that they might not have known. And uh, if they want to come see me, I look forward to seeing them. Well, that was just fantastic. And uh, we're a little bit over today. So much information, so much to know. But it is time to high five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today's pocket... Be respectful.